Diet Black Podcast is a podcast about true crime, punk rock and gothic music, TV shows and movies, pretty much anything creepy or weird that we decide to discuss. It may contain graphic content, vulgar language, and suggestive themes that may be triggering and or inappropriate for some listeners. Let's be honest, it's gonna contain vulgar language. Now all opinions are just that, they're opinions. We are not scholars, lawyers, or historians, and by no means do we claim to be experts. And the information that we obtain comes from the internet, and we have no proof that it's fact. So thank you, and enjoy the show. Well, you know, that means we're ready for another episode. Yes! I would like, if I may, to take you on a journey. A strange journey? A strange journey. Through time and space? Yes. <laughs> Comes with a little dance. Just a step. Oh, no. Uh, uh, uh. To the left? Hey, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> Diet Black. It's Diet Black. Diet Black. I'm Tam. And I am Liam. And we're here for you on day 347 of quarantine. I thought it was like day 3,921. It's the same. We've lost all meaning. That's why we're taking this journey through time and space. Yes. Welcome to February 400th. <laughs> <laughs> It's leap year. It got a little out of hand this year. A little crazy, a little crazy. So we are back at you. Mm -hmm. We've got another episode for you involving another dead rock star. It's going to get real dark and depressing here real soon. So we're going to lighten things up with some chit chat before we get started. Yeah, and maybe I'll try to throw some awful humor in there just to keep it light because this one's heavy, folks. Yeah. So I did a little poll online amongst our friends. She did a little ditty. A little, a little ditty. ditty. But Elliot Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've seen our Instagram or the Facebook, there's a picture of me in front of a wall with a big swirl on it. I didn't know what the swirl business was. Well... It is the wall that was the cover art for the Figure Eight album by Elliot Smith. And we offered up the chance to vote for either Elliot Smith or the hell crazed, batshit crazy story of the replacements. Elliot won. I will be doing the replacements at some point, but we're not there yet. Um, so those of you who know who Elliot Smith was know that he was a very tragic case and I'll get into all that. But in the meantime, let's discuss some more upbeat stuff we've been keeping ourselves busy with, shall some we? housekeeping stuff. Yes. By housekeeping, we mean... Not keeping our house. <laughs> we're trying. Oh, we're doing Okay. But, um, I mean, I've done probably enough laundry in the last week to keep us afloat for a while. 
I think I put away six loads that have been yeah. collecting over the last week or so. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, is, is both of us are still blessed and we both still work. So even though there's this whole quarantine going on and we're definitely spending more time at home, you know, uh, doing things is still difficult. Although I did some, been doing, we did, you did something. You know, I was in reverse. I'm sorry. We've been doing some yard work. <laughs> we have been doing and yard painting work. The bar more and decorating. We actually did some raking, which is something that we kind of said we would do last fall and never did because we, we didn't have time. Vowed and, not to rake the <laughs> we secretly not Yeah, we were just kind of like, we don't have to. Well, now we kind of have to. Yeah. So I mean, and we don't really know anybody's kids that we could pay to come do it for us. Because I got a quote from, like, a lawn service, and, like, 80 bucks isn't happening right now. No, we've got the time we do it ourselves. Yeah, we just got to get some leaf bags. That's yeah. what I need to get. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. So, <laughs> so we did end up building ourselves a fire pit, though. So as soon as the weather warms up for a significant amount of time, and not just one day that it's 80, and then it snowed today... So what the fuck? Welcome to Chicago, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're ready to do that. We've got a new um, umbrella out on our patio for the furniture. We're going to be sitting pretty in the sun someday. <laughs> yes. I got to fix up that grill. Mm-hmm. Get us some burgers. Let's throw some ribs. Oh, mm. man, those ribs are so good. It's going to be good. Yeah. Anyways. So, sorry, we drilled there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but what else have we been doing? Um, we finally saw a movie we've been planning on seeing. Yeah, we watched Onward. The new Pixar movie. Highly recommend that shit. It is so fucking good. It's funny. It's meaningful. It's geeky. For anybody who's into, like, Dungeons and Dragons or RPGs, it'll make your heart sing. Um, it's, like, heartfelt. It's a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. But it's very good and super well done, and I'm a huge fan. We just ordered three pops from it. Yeah. Because, you know, we have a pops problem. We do. And they will be here probably in a week or so because, you know, things are slow right now. But... The Pops collection goes on. Yes. We don't know where we're going to put them all, but it goes on. Mm-hmm. But, and then what else did we do? Um, I got cat food today so I don't get tortured tomorrow. That's important. Yeah. We've gone through the saga of different masks. Um, oh, yeah. We've tried to create masks. We've tried to buy masks. Um, I've had to buy masks for work. Work bought me a mask. It's been a different saga every day, but I'm happy to have them for the train ride into work in the morning, so it's good to be protected. Um, Shout out to one of my residents who's an OR nurse who got me one for, um, you know, like, because she was like, you need something that's a little stronger than than nothing. (laughs) So... She she gave me one of hers. Um, Shout out. Thank you very much. Yeah, she's great. Um, Kristen, she's been a tenant of mine for many years. She loves me and she hugs me every chance she gets, unfortunately. Can't hug her now, but as soon as this shit's over, she's getting a big squishy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I took that somewhere else. <laughs> you can watch it if you want. Uh- <laughs> 
<laughs> Boo yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean that's that's been what we've been up to. Um and hopefully you guys are all staying home, staying safe, staying healthy, and don't go be that jerk who's got to run on the lakefront because we're really sick of seeing you out there. Um, You're prolonging our progress. Knock it the fuck off. I yeah. know that you need to get out and do stuff, but everybody gathering on the lakefront. Oh, and by the way, don't take your kids out in the city without a mask. Are you re- ridiculous? Special? Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> don't do that. It is not cool. And yeah, we've been just seeing some morons who've not been taking this seriously. And we just want to urge everybody, you know, everybody's got their own reasons for leaving the house sometimes. Again, essential workers, you need to get out. You need to get some air once in a while. Walk around your block. I'm fine with that. But, you know, don't put other people's lives in danger when you're doing it. We're we're blessed to be in the suburbs to where we could just like the day that it was like almost 80 Mm-hmm. We got to sit out on our back patio. I mean, and just that, like, 20 minutes of sitting out there, like, was a complete restart. And it was yeah. what we needed. Like, in Chicago, the most valuable thing in the world is the sun. Yeah, I don't even like the sun, but every now and then, even I need a dose of vitamin mm-hmm. D in my life. So. Yeah. I mean, I still don't miss Florida. Yeah. Just saying that. Hashtag don't miss Florida. <laughs> hmm. But, you know, it's it's been Again, an be endeavor. smart. Yeah. About it. Yeah. I mean, like I went and got cat food today. Do you think I went into the store? Hell no. I did this awesome thing where I ordered online. I pulled up to like these signs they had in front. I called them, told them it was there, popped my trunk. They put it in there, verified it was me. Boom. Closed that bad boy up. I got cat food and my cats won't torture me all day tomorrow. Yep. So they are food motivated and they they really like wet food. I've spoiled them and now Yeah, they get better it. like fancy food than we do, I swear. Like they're eating duck every morning and we're eating like <laughs> beans from a can. But Yeah. They get like duck and rabbit and turkey and chicken and they're definitely spoiled. Um I'm pretty sure uh, yeah, I'm definitely sure that, that uh Bubba walked on my face this morning because I had it covered up with a blanket. Yep. He's he was he was waiting for you to get up and you were Running a little later than usual this morning. Yeah. I'm like, no. And he's like, nope, you got to get up and feed me. I'm going to walk on your face. And I'm like, that's fucking rude, bud. You know, cats, man. He's fucking rude. He is. Um, I mean, that's about it. I mean, there isn't much yeah. that's going on, obviously. You know, the good news is that we have had several online visits with friends and family um just now we got off a virtual birthday party for my cousin oh that was fun it was fun. i think that's why we're kind of wound up right now which yeah is great. we got to talk to everybody in the family and our cats made special appearances their butts were in the camera more than we'd like to admit yeah but uh dad's making a delivery of a costco run for us which we we're super thankful for yeah so we'll have um fresh Water bottles and... Cheese and Nexium. <laughs> exactly. You know, tummy meds, cheese, and water. That's basically what we need to survive. Um, and then um, yesterday we were privileged to be invited to an online Seder. That was awesome. That was my first Seder. Exactly. So we got to experience Passover. I've been to a few. This was definitely the most entertaining one I've been to. Yeah, I would definitely like to take part in it next year and actually mm-hmm. get to read parts and, you know, mm-hmm. do stuff. Play hide the matzah. Yes. Although, no, I don't think anybody's going to like where I hide the matzah. 
It usually goes under a couch cushion, I'm just saying. Okay, but what if you put it in the cat litter? Nobody wants that matzo, babe. Oh. Well, there goes my phone. Okay, well, you're not going to be the one in charge of that then. Uh Okay, well, (laughs) you know. I mean, I do like matzo. Yeah. Like, it's weird, because I was not raised Jewish at all, but my mom loved matzo with just butter on it. Yeah, see, that's a good, solid way to eat matzah. I also enjoy a matzah pizza. So you get a piece of matzah, you put some, some mm. marinara and cheese on top. And well, I saw some recipes for matzah lasagna. I'd be into that, too. Yeah. Or one of my favorite recipes is matzah brie, which is eggs with matzah. You actually crush up the matzah and put it in with your eggs. Mm-hmm. It's also called fried matzah. You can do it with um, some salami in there, too. Oh, that sounds good. That's some good eating. Just don't put cheese in it with the salami. You can't do that. No, it's no, not no. kosher. No, no. It's just egg, salami, and matzah. And it's tasty. Um, I used to get that from one of the delis for breakfast. Nice. When I was younger. That's so good. Now I want it. I haven't had it in a really long time. Oh, we got to get some matzah. Yeah, we got to do that. Oh, man. I will make some matzah. Uh, matzah brie. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, We're just we rambling two, right now. We We're... two are food motivated. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we've got a short episode, so we're kind of trying to air it out a little bit. And so. we just want to make it more interesting to you guys to keep up with us and know what we're up to. And hopefully you'll share your stories with us as well. Um, once again, our Instagram, Diet Black Podcast, um, or our Facebook groups. We've got two. We've got the community or our regular one. Mm-hmm. And if you have anything that you need to tell us directly or you have something that you'd like to say about one of our episodes, you are more than welcome to email us at dietblack at gmail.com. If you have a story you want us to look into, got a favorite dead celeb you want us to cover. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. You know, we're, we're happy to go where the fans want us to. So um, I'm actually going to jump into this one very shortly. I just want to dedicate this episode to Becca who I know is having a hard time with work and everything. She's been crazy busy, but she is out there in her farm in Oregon with some sort of really cute name. And I just kind of picture it like Stardew Valley. That's what it looks like in my head. Um, But um, she makes Brian harvest all the crops. Exactly. And occasionally (laughs) he brings her like a pizza or something, you know, but um, I made you peppers and eggs. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I married Shane. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I like the spicy stuff. But she's, um, you know, one of the people I know who's been a lifelong Elliot Smith fan. And so this one's for her. Hopefully when she hears this, she'll be happy about it. I did ask her if she wanted to add some, um, comments of her own to the episode, but she's just been so swamped. She hasn't had time. So hopefully she's getting her work done and she's making her paper cranes and this one's for her oh quick note if you are on animal crossing on the switch we're both on um just pms or send us a email and we'll give you our friend codes yeah so we'll friend you and we can visit each other's islands yes so i think animal crossing is making a killing when they dropped i mean they dropped at the ideal time yeah no they are killing it no Not to mention, I've been waiting for this game to come out for over a year or two. But... And I was like, eh, I'll get it maybe eventually. But then, you know, quarantine. I actually brought my Switch to work with me today and played at my office. Don't tell anybody that. 
but <laughs> uh, I got my work done first, so yeah, that's, that's what that counts. Yep. So, all right, let's jump into this bad boy. Yeah, bad boy he was. So what happens when a man who is clinically depressed has suffered through drug and alcohol addiction and talks about suicide regularly does actually end up dead? Once again, I'm going to bring you a story of a man who made music to give words to the world about feelings that we don't discuss openly, Mm -mm. but whose death left more questions than answers. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about Elliot Smith. He was a reluctant success story. He battled his inner demons as much as he fought his own fame. In the end, we are left to wonder whether he finally made due on the constant threats to end his own life. Or did someone else use his words against him, covering up their deeds with his obvious suicidal idolatry? Dun, dun, dun. So we're going to start at the beginning. Elliot wasn't even his real name. He was born as Stephen Paul Smith in Nebraska. So that's about as boring an origin story as a rock star can get. Yeah. I mean, poor little Stephen Smith in Nebraska. But his parents split up when he was six months old. And his mother took him with her when she left for Duncanville, Texas. Again, not exactly the epicenter of Yeah, he was born in Nebraska and then went to Texas. Exactly. Um, Elliot didn't like Texas. <laughs> he always maintained that his stepfather abused him while he was there. The allegations were never followed up on by anyone in authority, but people have pointed to this abuse as the beginning of Elliot's mental decline. Hey, I only did all the teddy bear. I didn't touch nobody. Yeah, so... His stepfather was named Charlie Welch, and the name Charlie is mentioned several times in his songs, and people have pointed out to this that the songs are about his stepfather, and Charlie Welch was, has, has always denied these allegations, but Elliot's friends and partners have definitely pointed the finger at Welch on Elliot's behalf. At the same time, he was also diagnosed with ADHD. So all in all, he did what he could to get out of Texas. He moved to Portland, Oregon at the age of 14 to live with his father. He did have a tattoo of the map of Texas drawn on his upper arm. And when asked if it was because he missed Texas, he said, I didn't get it because I like Texas. Kind of the opposite. But I won't forget about it, although I'm tempted to because I just don't like it there. Yeah, I mean, I could see that as like a a reminder. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any... Like, fucked up reminder tattoos, though. Yeah, but I mean, some people do. Some people need that as motivation. Yeah. You know, don't ever go back to that time in your life kind of thing. That's fair. he did have music from a young age. He started playing piano at the age of nine and learned the acoustic guitar by ten. And at the time he was in Portland, he was playing clarinet in the high school band. Dork. Hey, I almost played clarinet in the high school band. So I stopped at junior high, though. Um, Yeah, I played cello for like one year in junior high. And then it was my eighth grade year. So I'd only had one year, so I couldn't move into orchestra. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just go into chorus because I can sing. Yeah, see, I can't sing. And And things went downhill. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't really play clarinet all that well either. So 
I kind of dropped that. But he had borrowed a four-track recorder and also began experimenting with his own songs. At the same time, he was singing in two local bands, Stranger Than Fiction and A Murder of Crows. <laughs> At the time, he was still going by Stephen Smith, or my personal favorite, Johnny Panic. But he did well enough in school that he graduated as a National Merit Scholar. And he went to Hampshire College, which is a private liberal arts school in Massachusetts. And they consider themselves as an experimental experience. Well, you come on down to Massachusetts. It's going to be wicked cool. <laughs> it's one of those weird hippie schools. I think I actually toured it back in the day when I was looking at um, colleges. And it was too weird for me. But wow. yeah, they've they've set themselves up, though. And though they're not considered part of the top 100 colleges anymore because they don't take SATs or ACTs anymore, they are set to become the first college in the United States that is 100% solar. So they've got that going for them. Um, but at Hampshire, he met Neil Goost, with whom he would go on to form the indie-slash-alternative band Heat Miser. He's Mr. White Christmas. He's Mr. He's Mr. So Heat Miser took the show back to Portland and gained a pretty solid following considering most of what was coming out of the Pacific Northwest at the time was Grunge! Exactly. It was the early 90s and their sound was much more soft driven vocals over a happier sounding jangly guitar much in the same vein as like the Smiths versus Nirvana. So they toured the Pacific Northwest and released two and a half independent albums the half being an EP. All the while, Elliot was starting to record his own solo albums. And, it, you know, he had changed his name to Elliot Smith by this time. So he didn't want to go by Steve Smith. He felt that that was way too much of a jock name. Dude, bro. And Stephen Smith was already the drummer of Journey, and nobody wants to be, like, mistaken for somebody in Journey. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, in 1996, Heat Miser got signed to Virgin Records. They were just recording and about to release their first major label record called Mike City Sons. And the band broke up. The fuck? So, people believe it was actually the tension between the band and Elliot due to the success of his two first solo albums. Other people said it was just time and Elliot and Neil never actually had any sort of falling out. Whatever the reason was, they fizzled just as they were set to hit the big time. The album was subsequently released on one of Virgin's smaller labels, and it hardly went anywhere. Nah, just fizzled. Yep. So, like the Heat Miser. Yeah, Heat Miser's flame went out. <laughs> so, Elliot, on the other hand, was steadily climbing his way into the collective consciousness. His first album, Roman Candle, came out in 1994 and was the complete opposite of grunge. His acoustic sound was the antithesis of what was popular at the time. And Elliot himself thought, I thought my head would be chopped off immediately when I came out because the time was so opposite to the grunge thing that was popular. The thing is, this album was actually really well received, which was a total shock, and it immediately eclipsed Heat Miser, unfortunately. 
1995, the, his self-titled album came out, and it was very similar and received similar praise. But in 1997, Either Or came out on a slightly larger label called Kill Rock Stars. It produced three songs that would go on to be used by Gus Van Zandt on the soundtrack for the movie Goodwill Hunting. And Angelus is a sadly beautiful song about the temptations of Los Angeles. It's often covered on YouTube. You can find a hundred covers of it. But one of the favorites for you Supernatural fans out there is Jensen Ackles' cover of it. It's Dean Winchester on a boat singing softly and playing his guitar, which is not a bad thing. Uh, Dean Winchester, never a bad thing. I'm saying. Um, but then there was Ms. Misery. Ms. Misery is very clearly about addiction and depression. It opens with, I will fake it through the day with the help of Johnny Walker Red. He's laying his pain out for everyone to see. The lyrics are a cry for help. There's no doubt that he's singing about suicide. His vulnerability is wide open and let people connect with his lyrics. But he looked like he belonged in Oasis in that video. I know, he kind of has like an Oasis slash like the verve thing going on, but it was the mid to late nineties. They kind of anybody who wasn't grunge kind of looked like that. See, like mid late nineties, I was listening to like Metallica, which segued into the Misfits. So I never really. Yeah. See, this is what was happening at that time that wasn't grunge or metal. Yeah. No, I so... was just like metal punk rock. Yeah. As he said, he's kind of the opposite of all that. See, I kind of feel that though. Like yeah. I was a hardcore punk kid that was writing like folk songs. Exactly. That's exactly who he was. Cause his early work definitely was punk and you can see old pictures of him. He was a punk, but he just didn't write punk music. Yeah. That's kind of like what I did. I yeah. mean, I eventually branched into writing punk music, but it was difficult, which I can never really understand why, and I think it's I've got that like country root back end that you try not to acknowledge, but sometimes it just comes up in conversation accidentally. Well, he's from Texas. It kind of happened to him too. Yeah. So, um, so Ms. Misery is the song that made him a star. He was actually nominated for an Oscar for best original song for the soundtrack for Goodwill Hunting. He didn't even want to go to the Oscars. It was not his scene. But they told him that if he didn't go perform his song, then somebody else would. Rude. Yeah. So he played a cut-down version of it, and he was in a white suit accompanied by the Oscars orchestra. He had no chance of winning that year, though. He was up against the juggernaut that was Titanic. So James Horner actually did win for My Heart Will Go On, and Celine Dion thumped her chest to victory. Um... But here's this weird side note for you. My stepmother actually dated James Horner in both high school and college. And she could have married him and then been the wife of an Oscar winner and not my stepmom, which is weird. Um, but <laughs> yeah, has not Dale Berman instead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, James Horner's dead. And my dad's not. So there's that. But yeah, I mean, your dad's a cool guy. Thanks. <laughs> he's no Oscar winner, but he's a cool guy. No, I mean, but he's, <laughs> he's got his own record, you know. That's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to admit, being like a young, at the time, Jewish white guy who's like teaching history on the south side of Chicago, which was ultra hardcore at the time. Yeah. It's pretty dope. And yeah. raising a kid. Yeah. My dad's pretty cool. I like that guy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back to the story. Elliot 
saw that the oddity of him being at the Oscars, um, in his own words, that's exactly what it was, surreal. I enjoy performing as much as I enjoy making up songs in the first place. But the Oscars was a very strange show, where the set was only one song cut down to less than two minutes, and the audience were a lot of people there who didn't come to hear me play. I wouldn't want to live in that world, but it was fun to walk around on the moon for a day. I mean, honestly, for sure. So, following the success of Either Or, Elliot signed to a bigger label, DreamWorks Records, and released XO. It had a fuller sound with added strings and horns. He was invited to play national late night television spots on Conan and Saturday Night Live. And the record was climbing up the charts. It made it to 104 in the U.S. and sold over 400,000 copies, which is more than his last two albums combined. Wow. So his final album to be released while he was live was Figure 8. It was... Um, Released in April of 2000, it had been partially recorded at Abbey Road, London. That's pretty dope. Yes. And it featured a more slick, produced, power pop song sound than his previous recordings. Okay. So his early fans thought it was a bit too much and that his songwriting was losing its subtlety. However, it did get him to 99 on the U.S. charts and 33 on the U.K. charts. Okay. So... He looked like his career was on the upswing. And then he went on tour. Ugh. So, as mentioned, he had previously been diagnosed with ADHD and major depressive disorder. He had been a drinker, and he liked to mix his drink with his antibiotics. Sorry. Uh, no, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> his antidepressants. Yeah, not cool. Um, so, there had been at least one attempt at an intervention during the either-or days, but, you know, didn't take. No. Now, on the figure eight tour, he found heroin. And he's, oh. yeah, which is never a good look. Um, and he started to get really paranoid. So he thought his record label was out to get him and steal his music to sell to other artists. And so he split with his manager and producer because he was becoming impossible to work with. And he trashed all the work he had done for them for the next album. His producer had actually kept his copies, though, and sent them to the label, but Smith would not consent to work with them. In April of 2001, he set up to re record everything on his own. Okay. But he was just too fucked up to do it. That's sucks. So he was smoking up to $1,500 a day of both heroin and crack. And he kept talking about suicide, and he... How did he function? He didn't. That's the point. Fuck. I mean, he had a couple of close call overdoses. He wasn't eating, and if he was, it was only ice cream. And you can't live like that. No, I mean, he... Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh. You know, when he did give a live performance, it did not go well. He was forgetting his lyrics, falling down on stage, and just sometimes wandering off mid-set. Often people would go into the bathroom and find him in the toilet with a needle hanging out of his arm. Fuck, that's tragic. Exactly. I mean, you just cannot live that way. No. So one set he tried to do at Northwestern University was called one of the worst concerts of all time. 
Jesus. He told the audience that he felt like his left hand had fallen asleep and that it was, quote, like there was something covering all over his hand. He's like, oh, wait, wait, I know you're here for me, but... Yeah, my hand just... My hand's asleep. I can't feel it. I can't move it. Yeah. I don't... What is going on? It's moving. How is it moving? I don't understand. What? (laughs) Exactly. It was not happening, and reporters called it excruciating to watch. And one even predicted that he'd be dead within the year. I mean, it was obvious to everyone that this man was spiraling bad. So he did try rehab a few times, but he never believed it would actually help him. He tried the 12 steps and couldn't get past step one. He couldn't say that he believed in anything, let alone that a God would be able to help him. And I think that's the problem with the 12 step program as much as, you know, it's helped a lot of people. We need to develop something that doesn't harness a higher power that like atheists and Satanists don't believe in. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, if you believe in God, great. It might actually work for you. But if you don't believe in that and you believe in science, what do you do then? What I've heard from people, and um, not to name names, but some people have believed that the consequences of their actions is the higher power. So karma. Basically. Okay. Um, without saying karma. But they've used that as, you know, their higher power. I, again, I don't know if it works. I mean, I think for some people that it does. Um, I've seen people use that and eventually fail but that could be said of everything so yeah, i mean in the end if if it's you're just weak to something i mean there's and i mean unless you give yourself up to healing no matter what you believe in you're still gonna be yeah i mean if you're not ready mm-hmm. to commit to completely changing your life and you're like yeah but this is fun and it feels good right or you know i just can't stop no higher power is going to be the one to stop you have to. Well, yeah. I mean, especially in his case where it seems like he was probably helpless. Yeah. He didn't care. He gave up caring in everything. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're young and innocent and some fucked up shit's happening, it's really hard to believe in a higher power that would let you go through that level of suffering and not do anything about it. Exactly. So I think that's a very valid. I could totally feel that. I could get that. So in the meantime, though, while this is all going on with him, his career was actually moving on without him. He was featured in another of, of other soundtracks. And the most visceral scene is a moment in, Wes Anderson's The Royal Tannenbaums, where Luke Wilson's character attempts suicide. I have not seen that. It's a weird movie, but this scene is just devastating. It's Luke Wilson cutting off his hair and his beard with a little pair of scissors and then slitting his wrists and dropping to the floor. Oh. And all the while... Elliot Smith's Needle in the Hay is playing, and it just rips your heart out. Um, I've heard, actually, from depressed people that I know that the scene is actually, like, suicide porn to them. Like, they watch it when they're depressed, and it actually makes them feel better because somebody else is acting it out so they don't have to. Okay. And I personally don't 
know exactly how that works, but you know, I hope that it does actually help some people. Like if that's what they need to get through like one more day, then fucking do it. Yeah. Whatever God, you gotta do, yeah. because in the end, like it's somebody loves you. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just one person, that you will rock that person's world to the core and they'll never be the same if you take your own life. Exactly. Be aware of other people. And I know it's so hard to do when you're in that state. But again, I know we've said it a bunch on the show. A billion times before. But it, get help. Yeah. I mean, that that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, we talk about, you know, people who have had these problems. And the thing is, is we want people to get help. And, and I think know. the biggest thing to take away from this is all of these people who have committed suicide, look at the impact that it's had on other people's lives. We're still talking about it because their deaths affected us. Yeah. I'm like, his music was life to people because he did something that I think, you know, came out of like with Joy Division. Yeah. Is they were the first band in the punk era to not say fuck you, but to say we're fucked. Yeah. I mean, it's acknowledging what people are not saying out loud yeah it's it's that inner turmoil that people have that they can connect with and know that they're not alone yeah i mean we're well into 2020 already and you know this mental health still has like a stigma like i was fighting with my insurance company because they won't cover anything mental health related i've been trying to get somebody on the phone even for two weeks to help me out I mean, I'm going to say it. I've been having anxiety attacks constantly because of Mm -hmm. the situation that we're in now. And I'm not afraid to talk about it. I have breakdowns every day or two where I just sob for like a half an hour. And I've been trying to get some help for that. And nobody's even calling me back. Yeah, because like, you know, your regular system is Jesus. Sorry. Is too consumed with, you know, the virus and everything that's going on that taking care of people who are physically healthy but not mentally, you get put on the back burner. Yeah, I mean, that's just how... It doesn't help. No, it does not help. And, you know, for everybody else who's hurting out there right now and who feels alone, you're not alone. We are here. There's other people who love you. Get somebody on video chat. Talk to somebody, get help. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to, you know, someone I know that's very near and dear to my heart who busted their ass for a couple of years to get their shit together, had a great job, was actually making money, could, you know, make ends meet, pay child support, do whatever, you know, he needed to do. And now his workplace can't even function and he can't function. So, but he knows that he's got people there for him and he'll make it. Yeah. Oh yeah. he will. And that's, that's what we're saying. You know, things are rough right now, but there's going to be a time when things get better. So please know that. Yeah. I mean, things are going to be different. There's no doubting that what we're in right now is not changing the face of literally everything, but things will change. We will get back to a new normal. Exactly. I mean, not to use a cheesy-ass metaphor, but, I mean, we're coming out of the winter. Things are spring. Spring is here. 
you can see the life coming back to the earth. And that's going to happen with people, too. Yeah, it'll so. happen. I mean, by this summer, I think everything will kind of blow over. Well, not really blow over, but it'll be more in a controllable situation. Exactly. Where like, okay, well, you're immune now. You're not. But people will be able to start <clears throat> interacting as they used to. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that because we're going to party like rock stars. <laughs> exactly. So for Elliot, his final album, From a Basement on a Hill, would actually not be released until after his death. It was cobbled together from four years worth of recordings, both his and the ones that his producer still had. And some of the songs that were recorded were actually left off the album because his family felt that they were too dark. But a later box set from his Kill Rockstars days, his, that work that was all put together into the box set actually became his best-selling album. Yeah. So he finally cracked the top 25 because it debuted at number 24 and it sold over 24,000 units during the first week alone. Yeah, because in the end people can feel the realness in music. Like, yeah, I mean, I'll admit it. I like a good, happy beat, and maybe it doesn't have the best lyrics, but... There's a time for both of those things. There's mm -hmm. times when I want to... Yes, I will say it. I will put on a Taylor Swift song, and I will dance around in my underwear. Oh, yeah, and fucking Lizzo? Yeah, oh, shit. absolutely. Oh, girl. And those are great, but it, sometimes when you're alone... You just need some Smiths. Yeah, or some Elliot Smith. Yeah. And I know I've been doing it for years. I mean, I was a fan. I took that picture in front of the figure eight wall, which is now actually a really beautiful memorial to Elliot Smith. There's graffiti on there from people who've come to that wall from all over the world to pay their respects. And that's beautiful. And I, you know... My friend Brian and I actually went there when we did our West Coast tour, and we wrote on the wall as well to pay our respects to Elliot for what he gave us. Yeah. And we actually wrote on for Becca, too. Brian did that. And they were not even together at the time, but they are now, which is so really sweet for them. So good for them. Um, <laughs> but... <Later. laughs> um, the thing is, Elliot never even actually cared about his success. It was something he did because it made his friends happy. Um, but on October 21st of 2003, Elliot Smith died. For someone who had a, the history that he had and spoke about his own death so readily, it would seem obvious that he had finally taken his own life. But did he? There's never actually been a solid definitive conclusion, even from the authorities who investigated his death. Now, the official report is that around lunchtime, Elliot got into an argument with his girlfriend, Jennifer Chiba. They were fighting over that ham sandwich. <laughs> He's like, I'm hungry. And she's like, I got the sandwich. You can't have it. You can't fuck off. <laughs> so they'd been together for about a, a year, and she was in this punk band called Happy Ending, and he had been supporting their career and getting them shows um, and getting them signed and trying to get her career boosted. But the year had been rocky, and his outbursts and threats to kill himself were pretty constant. So on this particular afternoon, when they argued and he threatened to kill himself again, she ignored him and went to go take a shower. So when she was in the shower, she heard a scream. Or did she? <laughs> ha! 
We'll see. <laughs> so she comes back out into the living room and he had his back to her. So she turned him around and there was a kitchen knife lodged in his chest. Okay. So right. she called an ambulance and took him to the hospital for emergency surgery. The knife had penetrated his heart and he never stood a chance. He was actually dead 20 minutes after arriving at the hospital. Courtney Love actually called it the best suicide she had ever heard of. Oh, fuck her. Which, I mean, seeing as though her own husband took his own life, or did he? Um, it's you not like... can't put a shotgun to your throat. I'm sorry. I mean, you can if somebody else is holding it there for you. Mm. Um, but, you know. Courtney Love killed Kurt. <laughs> her levels of insensitivity boggle me. But, you know, she said it, and she has no guilt about it. But we also know what she also doesn't have guilt about. Um, but here's the thing. You know how hard it is to stab yourself in the heart? Uh, no. Twice? And I don't want to know. Nope, you're going to hear it. Because Fuck. there were actually two stab wounds. It's on the bitch. Killing yourself in this way is very uncommon. According to the L.A. coroner's office that dealt with Smith's death, death less than 4% of suicides in 2001 and 2002 were actually caused by sharp force trauma. And most of those were just wrist slashings. Now, the way that Elliot chose to go, you have to turn the knife sideways and plunge it between the ribs. And it is an extremely painful way to die. I... Mm. And there have been several rumors since his death that it was not a suicide at all. And it was said that he was still using the booze and the drugs very hard during his last few months. The picture of the loving relationship between him and Jennifer may not have been as picturesque as people wanted to think. And he was not easy to live with. He was tense, erratic, and paranoid. And the relationship had been compared to that of Sid and Nancy as a crazed, druggy situation. Ew. So many people speculated that you know, Jennifer just got tired of his shit and finally killed him during a fight. Others think that another one of their junkie hanger-on may have actually just killed him for drug-related reasons. You want to die, motherfucker? You want to fucking die? Exactly. You know, others' friends, though, swore he was cleaning up his act and he was on the mend when it happened. But the only conclusions that we have come from the corner, and that are these. Well, toxicological tests revealed that Smith was apparently clean of all illegal drugs at the time of his death. Only non-abusive amounts of antidepressants and medication for his attention deficit disorder were found in his system. It returned an open verdict. While his history of depression is compatible with suicide, it said, and the location and direction of the stab wounds are consistent with self-infliction, Several aspects of the circumstances, as they are known at this time, are atypical of suicide and raise the possibility of homicide. The report said that Smith had been stabbed twice. Both wounds had entered his chest cavity and one had perforated his heart. That in itself is not suspicious, gruesome as it sounds. Suicides who choose to stab themselves to death frequently jab the weapon into their chest a number of times. Smith, however, had no hesitation wounds, cuts that would have made the victim 
but made by the victim as they work up the nerve to force the weapon through and had stabbed himself through his clothing, which is also, um, most people who kill themselves this way disrobe first. It's just a statistic. Huh. But the autopsy found a small laceration on both of his hands and under his right arm, which described as possible defensive wounds. It claimed that Chiba's reported removal of the knife from Smith and subsequent refusal to speak with detectives were all of concern. So while the apparent suicide suicide note had been found by Chiba, written on a post-it note, it read, I'm so sorry, love Elliot, God forgive me. Detectives concluded that this death is possibly suspicious. However, circumstances are unclear at this time. We invented post-it notes? <laughs> yes. No, you didn't. <laughs> but um, Yes, we did. Romy and Michelle's high oh, school. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. But, I mean, the thing is, you got a post-it note that says, I'm so sorry, love Elliot, God forgive me. That could be from anything. He could have forgotten to pick up milk the day before yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, that is the most that is vague bullshit. Like <clears throat> suicide note ever. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know shit about him, but I know yes, he was suicidal. But that's kind of a lame suicide note for somebody who has written his desire to kill himself and all of his music. Why would he go out on a post-it note? I mean. Again, I agree with you 100%. The man is a man of words. Yeah, so why? So did he finally give up on his words? Or was that not his words at all? You know? Unfortunately, we're never going to know. And We could just take his music, appreciate it for what it was, and move on. Exactly. And, you know, hopefully by people hearing this... More people will go and listen to Elliot Smith. Yeah. I mean, honestly, go on Spotify, listen to a couple of these albums because they're beautiful. They're so sad, but his way of writing just makes you feel like, first of all, you're not alone. Yeah. And secondly, that, you know, you know this man's soul and... It's... And that's the best kind of music. Exactly. You really, really can feel the person's emotions, their soul. That's some good shit. I completely agree. And that's why I think so many people were really excited to hear this episode. Because you go in knowing it's going to be sad. Yeah. But he meant a lot to a lot of people because he gave them an outlet for their own personal sadness. Yeah. So thank you, Elliot. Yeah. I'm really... Happy that you were here for the time that you were, and I'm really sorry you went out the way you did, but... So I was trying to find something lighter to end the episode on. Um, I found a, not a Florida man, but a Florida woman story. Now, here's the thing. This is an older story, but I think it's from like uh, 2015, but hear me out on this. Still fucked up, (laughs) right? So, in Citrus County, Florida, a 25-year-old Florida woman was arrested after she allegedly drank half a bottle of wine and ate a rotisserie chicken while driving a motorized shopping cart inside a Walmart in Lacanto, Florida. Now, according to Citrus County Sheriff's Office, uh, 
she was first observed by Walmart security when she began acting suspicious. Suspicious. <clears throat> suspicious. Inside the store while driving a motorized shopping cart with a half-empty bottle of wine inside the cart. Now, while Walmart security continued their surveillance of her, she allegedly was seen opening a package of sushi and eating a piece before placing the sushi back on the shelf. Rude. That's fucking disgusting. Now, they also told deputies that she continued the same pattern of behavior with a package of mini muffins and cinnamon rolls. Ew, who eats sushi <coughs> with cinnamon rolls and mini muffins? I don't know, but after sampling the sushi, mini muffins, and cinnamon rolls, she then went on to consume a majority of the rotisserie chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, that's a dinner meal right and there. dessert, baby, <clears throat> according to the affidavit. Now, after she was taken into custody, deputies discovered two empty syringes in her purse oh. that she allegedly admitted were for meth. Oh, yeah. Go figure. And she was charged with possession of a drug paraphernalia and retail theft of rotisserie chicken, cinnamon rolls, sushi. Mini muffins, two bottles of Sutter Home Wine, oh dear God. <laughs> She's getting the good shit. And sauce that totaled $32.36. Oh, Florida woman. Thank you for that. <clears throat> How I... you exemplify our ridiculousness. But, you know, that's a little trip down memory lane in the Florida woman. And, you know, for those of you who have been listening to us, for a long time, I think that qualifies as a creepy sorbet. What? what? But but thank you for joining us. We really really appreciate it, and hopefully you got something out of this episode. And we did write by Elliot, and yeah, I mean I, I did throw in some shitty stuff, but I think it's important to make light of something so heavy. I agree with you. That's what we're here for. We're here to tell you a story and not to make you want to go cry in a corner. So No, that's the thing is like we can take his life as an example of, hey, things are shit, but they're not nearly as bad as maybe we imagine them. Exactly. So go virtually hug someone you love. Yep. And stay inside. Social distancing because if not Lori's gonna come find you <laughs> yeah god bless Lori lightfoot she is the mayor that this world needs right now and her memes are gold oh my god so and the fact that she loves them and has made new like and she's made her own so yeah she's one of the heroes that's coming out of this um big shout out to her big shout out to Cuomo from New York for being the voice of reason during all of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, today we were watching the news. We were watching BBC, and he's like, here's a comparison of deaths from 9-11 to deaths from COVID, and it's astonishing. It's, like, almost three times the amount. And it's like, look. We got we, through that, too. Yeah. I mean, we'll get through this, not without multiple casualties, but we will get through this, and those who are strong and smart will survive. Exactly. He's been a real voice for the country <coughs> lately. He is and, our national treasure. And J.B. Pritzker from Illinois holding down the uh, we're going to hold people accountable front. And a special shout out 
to J.B. Pritzker's sign language interpreter. He may look see this guy. He may look like Screech from Saved by the Bell, but this man puts passion and love into every sign that he does, and I cannot stop watching him. So shout out to that guy as well. Fuck yeah. And stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, and hang out with your friends versus you know by video chat. Hang out with us by video chat. We're gonna call this a night and we'll talk to you soon. Remember, diet black. Diet black.